OPN Ask an Angel podcasts are conversations with global angel investors and venture capitalists. We explore how to invest, understanding investment strategies, and approaches to due diligence. Join us and learn what it takes to be a startup or what it takes to invest in the next great company. Welcome to the Supporters Fund, Ask an Investor. I'm your host, Jeffrey Potvin, or JP. And let's please welcome Ahmed Hazem as our investor for today from Phallic Startups. Welcome, Ahmed, or what we're going to be using today, which is your real name, Hazem. How are you, sir? Thank you for joining us. Hey, Jeff. How are you? Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. And uh, actually, it's the other way around. My name is Ahmed Hazem, and uh, yeah, I usually go by Hazem. I love it. Hazem's a good name, and I'm sure that's a little bit easier for uh, for myself to repeat and auto-repeat. So I'll keep saying Hazem, but uh, we're off to the races already, so I love it. And Hazem, you're calling in today from Egypt, correct? Yes, from Cairo. From Cairo. I love it. I love mm. Cairo. Where I'm it's there. almost time to sleep. That's true. I think it's probably <laughs> six hours, so you're almost that quarter after 10 right now. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Ah, brilliant. Well, I'm a big fan of Cairo. I was there about a month ago, so... Um, well, I guess I'm letting the audience know too, because as I was doing podcasts, I probably should have talked a little bit more about every country that uh, I was touching down on, but I really enjoyed and love the ecosystem that's going on right now and in across Africa, but mostly in what's going on in Egypt and Cairo. It's very exciting. Uh, so maybe what we'll do is the way we like to start the show off is we want to dive right into everything. So Maybe, Hasim, you can give us a bit of a background on yourself, you know, where you started all the way from your financial analyst days to the startup you were part of, and then, of course, where you've landed today and all the great things that you're up to. And then one thing about you that nobody would know. All right. Amazing. I think that that's where I go, I'm going to struggle with. But uh, yeah, let's start and figure it out uh, on the way. Um, all right. So early days back in uh, university, I went to the German university in Cairo, studied entrepreneurship and strategic management. Nobody actually knew what entrepreneurship was when I was studying it. I was the first class to graduate that. And um, yeah, while I was there, I started a little bit of an uh, entrepreneurial experience with uh, with my friend. And we started one of the one of the first e-commerce businesses in uh, in Egypt, actually. And uh, that didn't go so well. So um, everyone went ahead and uh, tried tried something else. I went ahead and uh, uh, learned about finance and uh, and economics, and uh, became a financial analyst in a couple of uh, a couple of companies. One of which is uh, work, one of which worked in uh, in the energy sector, and then uh, the building materials sector, and then I shifted to real estate worked in a couple of companies real estate all into the the financial and investment and strategic planning uh functions of these uh, of these companies learned a lot of things learned a lot of um, uh, of models to uh, to like um extend this and and um help founders think the way uh, the way big corporates think and utilize these these frameworks and these models into their into their businesses and that's what I'm doing today. Like I get a chance now at Falak Startups to, to pretend like I'm a founder in all these companies that we work with. So I get this satisfaction as well and uh, try to help them with all the, uh, the knowledge I have accumulated across the different sectors and the different functions that I've worked uh, in, in, in those past years. Yeah, you're still, you're, now you're still waiting for something that nobody knows, right? Yeah, uh, I, I had hoped you, you'd forgot about that. Um, I don't know. I uh, I really hate bell peppers. Maybe that's <laughs> that's something that. Uh... Say that again. You you dislike what's the word? Yeah, bell peppers. Bell peppers. <laughs> Is that because they're too hot? I thought Egyptians love hot. No, stuff. I like, like the hot. I like the hot ones. Like I, I like the red hot chili peppers. Both the real peppers and the band. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't like the normal ones. Oh, okay. That's all right. So can you tell if it's blended in with a good hot sauce? Can you pick those out and be like, no, I'm out of this. No good. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah, that's all right, man. That's impressive. Well, I can say on my side, I'm a huge hot sauce fan. Uh, At any given moment, I have hot sauce, probably six to 10 jars of it somewhere, if Mm -hmm. not a stockpile of it all. But I love hot sauce and everything. I think hot sauce just is amazing no matter what i gotta try it 
I've had the the one that's probably the craziest, and you'll have to try this. It's something called the bomb, and um, oh my god, it was on the hot shot hot sauce TV show. It was the third hottest one ever, and I literally had to keep trying this little dabs in like a bowl. One dab, bowl, two dabs, bowl, three dabs. And that's how I had to grow on this stuff because it was so hot that mm-hmm. I would start crying. My mouth was on fire and I just had to work my way into it. I finished half a jar and I felt like a superhero. And this took me like probably three months. So you can imagine what it takes to do this all the time with hot sauce. You got to really get <clears throat> inclined in the market and really enjoy it and uh, try it on everything until you get used to that uh, real spicy uh, picante sauce that uh, builds up on it. So I won't beat that yeah. up any longer, but man, it's hot sauce. No, no, good. that's that's all right. Maybe um, I, th- I think you should come to uh, to Egypt back in uh, November. There's a, there's a huge conference that happens every year there that's called Techni, and it happens in Alexandria, not in Cairo. I'm not sure if you heard of it. So um, hopefully when you come in November, I'll take you somewhere. And uh, yeah, I know you like it all because they, they serve everything that's hot as like as hell. So <laughs> ah, I love it. I'm sure well, you'll enjoy it. <laughs> it sounds like it's going to happen because I'll be going from Web Summit directly to Egypt for the fourth. So my goal is to try and make this all happen and coordinate this all. So fingers crossed we can make it work. Amazing. So we're going to kind of take a step back because I think there's a lot of great things that you kind of shared there. And there's a few other things that I've learned and read and podcasts and all this great stuff about what you've done. But the one thing that really kind of stands out, of course, well, two things is the finance. And then the second one is the fact that you've been a founder and that you've actually worked through and built a company and you spent a few years doing that. So maybe the first thing we can talk about is diving into what your experience was in building a company, especially back in the early onset of the internet and uh, in the world of uh, in Egypt as well, because every country would have been a little bit different when the internet started to kind of take off. So maybe share a little bit of what that experience was like. And you said people came in and tried different things, but you kind of looked at this as not being a success. And I personally would look at this as being a huge success because I man- I manage success a little bit differently when it comes to working with founders and with, with uh, investors is that you've got a lot of valuable information that you've uh, built up regardless of the payout, but you did a lot of great things. So maybe we can start with maybe describe a bit more about what the business was about and what you learned uh, in that early onset of building this company. Well, the business was a simple e-commerce business where we sold a bunch of uh, electronics uh, online. It was, uh, it was really challenging because that, um, like we started really, really early. So that's, that's the key takeaway of the thing, because sometimes you'd have, you'd have the good, uh, you'd have a good team, you have a good product, you have a good product market fit, you'll have everything that you need, but you're, but you're too early to the market that um, people wouldn't at back in the day, buying something online was was not something that common um, in, in Egypt at least and uh, yeah to me that was the key uh, key takeaway the, the other key takeaway also was to to know and to understand when when to give up because that's that, that's a question that uh, really uh, really pops up a lot of the time people sometimes take it as a challenge or they wouldn't want to quit but I think it's um, it's a key lesson to know when it's not working or if it's if it's that early and you can't keep pushing until it becomes a thing or until you you can teach the market and do this whole learning uh, learning process like if you have the resources then well sure yeah go for it but uh, you need to gauge that you need to manage your resources really really well and, uh, and like no if, it, if it's too early then give it another shot maybe uh, maybe a couple of years later when the infrastructure is there when the culture is really uh, going to accept it. So as they say, culture would eat a strategy for love, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? So that's uh, that's something that you wouldn't want to, uh, to go head-to-head with. When you're not only early to market, but gauging when it's time to move away from a product, fail a company, or pivot, I, I think there's always this fear or stigma behind that. And can you say that, learning this or knowing when you did this, how much of that was built off the principles that you learned in the financial sector? Um, Because you've been a financial analyst, 
uh, business analyst. Uh, all, do those things really help you better understand the numbers, how the business works? So that kind of helped you better understand where your forward projections are going and to kind of say, look, this, this isn't working. We got to pivot or change or do something because we're really falling under the gun here. Can you share a little bit about that? Because I do think that this carries a lot of weight and maybe this is what founders don't have. And this is something that, again, another piece to uh, your tool belt that you're bringing to the game here. Jeff, it was, it was the other way around. Like having this experience teached me how to become a better financial analyst and a business analyst because it was, it was the other way around. I did this while I was in the university, like last, last year in, in, in university. So yeah, it was, uh, it was the other year round. So we had, I had to figure out this, this toolkit and how to, to gauge the business and how to, to understand when to stop and how, how to really identify if it's working or not. And, um, and like do this stress analysis and everything. And I had to do it before, beforehand. And it, yeah, Yanni, to your question, it's uh, even, even, Having that, it's it is the other way around. But yeah, that this this experience teach me that. So uh, I became uh, a, a little bit of a different breed of financial of a financial analyst or a business analyst because I had this this experience. So I took everything from the perspective of an entrepreneur, even when I was working in corporates. So that was that gave me a different flavor, if you will, when it came to the way of thinking. I wasn't just thinking by the book and the, the way that is dictated by um the playbooks of uh, of corporate uh, analysis so yeah that's uh, to, to my luck of course that was um, i think i got lucky by having this experience before that and that's how it, uh, how it played out anyway well i'm going to say that's brilliant because then if you take the reverse side of that then you're probably sitting in once you failed the business realized that it just was too advanced too quick people weren't ready for it decided to fail it, went back into the corporate world to get some more learnings. You were probably in there still trying to figure out how did I fail this? Why did I fail this? And then as you started to learn more on the finance side, you started to put models together. Then you probably had that aha moment two or three years later and were like, man, if I would have just done this, maybe I could have pivoted at this time. Now you solve that problem and now you kind of keep moving forward in looking at that next business or how you analyze another business because you did, you lived through it, but at the same time, uh, you probably didn't have the same tool belt as you do today. So you start to reanalyze where you could have done better or where you went wrong. Yes. And that's, that's basically what I do with the startups that we work with right now. So they, they are the ones that are getting the benefit out of this so, And as I said, I got to pretend to be one of the, one of their founding teams, which is a great pleasure. That's awesome. So throughout this kind of journey over the last 10 years of working in and out of these financial um, platforms, working with early stage to late stage companies, uh, is there a couple of things that really stood out in your mind and that you really kind of embraced and said, you know what, here's a process. Here's what you need to do if you're a founder. Follow these five steps when it comes to the finance side or business side. Or is it just, is that too broad stroke and you kind of have to get way more granular, but is there a couple of things that you would share that you learned being on the other side, which was analyzing companies instead of um, at the time making investments, because today it's obviously different. You're investing versus analyzing. What were some of the tricks that you kind of came up with that really supported uh, today's methodologies of how you're investing? Well, how how you're investing is, is where it gets tricky but the way the way the these things are the the frameworks if you were all those models that um, that you use for um, to help out the those founders get uh, get more business or grow grow exponentially that's that's a little less tricky well but when it comes to investment yeah i the way the way i always say it although i'm i'm uh, I wouldn't be that politically correct to say it, but I personally would never know. Um, and the way I look at it is, is it's, it's, a, it's a numbers game, right? So you, you try to weed out anything that you know for sure that is not going to work. Like you've seen this before and you've seen, uh, you've seen people try at it or you see certain patterns with certain uh, team, um, team mixes or certain products or certain mindsets so you know that this is not going anywhere or you know for a fact that there's no big market for it or you know there's a culture bar barrier to it 
So you just try to weed out what you know it will not work. Other than that, you just, and I think you do that yourself as an as an investor. You just try to back to back up teams that you mostly believe in and know know that they have good harmony, and you just get behind them. And you're mostly investing in their second or third iteration of their product. You're not you're not really investing in what they have today. You you just know that they had identified a good problem. And you bet that even if this problem changed slightly, or maybe they have a better understanding of this problem one or two years from now, you still believe in them to solve and to uh, to come up with something that they can grow with, right? The other part, which is which is the less tricky part, but it's uh, it's yet a more challenging uh, brain exercise, is to is to not get stuck on uh, on on models or frameworks or five steps to do so or ten steps to do that. Uh, or five things to watch out and in uh, doing so and so is to to actually keep a very flexible uh, mindset and keep learning as you go, and you try to potentially keep if you if you can, um, whenever you come across a certain model or come across a certain idea or a certain concept that you you have to keep that in mind just like someone that has a, a, a real holistic view and they, you keep adding sort of lenses to to the way you see things and whenever you come across um, a company or a problem uh, that you're trying to solve or a company that you're trying to grow you try to see whichever lens of these of those lenses would apply to this kind of situation and then you apply the best one of them and then there you go you have you have uh, you have this thing and this is what i meant by i've accumulated certain lenses in this analogy throughout this career and throughout working with so many uh, founders and startups. So I just, whenever I learn something from one of these guys, I try to propagate that across different different problems, different uh, companies, different situations. And that's the beauty of it. And the, the, the knowledge that you accumulate or the knowledge that you come across, luckily you can recycle that and make, make it have more value and uh, create more value out of it. No, that's awesome. So if I look at what you just shared, being able to create this more value, and I'm a big fan of the more value that you can create, not just from an investor, but from a startup, anything you're exchanging has to be done in value. What am I going to get out of this interaction? What is the value for me? What's the value for you? So as you're kind of working through this with founders from your early onset working as a business analyst to today, has there been a change in that? Because you're, you, you mentioned different models. So your first model that you built 10 years ago and you learned and you learned, you reworked it, you learned, and now you're investing. So has that model changed now when you've experienced it for um, less on the corporate umbrella side where you're doing it as a, as a financial analyst to now, here's my money, here's me investing. Did you change anything and you become more reserved and say, no, I need everything to be in this little refined box because this is the only space I have? Or to your point, were you very open-minded and said, you know what, founder first, this is how I'm going to invest. I've built up all of these um, number theories and projections on how I look at business and now I'm going to implement it here. This is my time to do that. Is that kind of how you process it or can you give us a little bit of understanding of how you yes, guys 100% the latter 100% the latter Jeff this is this is what I've known and if if I've learned anything is to uh, from from my experience in the in the corporate world is to master the skill of unlearning things and this is this has been amazing because when I, once you've uh, once you've buy once you buy into the notion of uh, accepting that whatever you've learned somewhere does not apply in, in all aspects of life or aspects of business, uh, at least, um, you start accepting new things. You start accepting that you're wrong. You start accepting that there are more things to learn. So that that is in itself beautiful. So you just throw away all of that and just know that you're, and you have the mental flexibility that to accept new ideas and to accept the limitations of what you actually know or what you actually have learned and just to accept, accept those new things and accept the fact that you just could learn new things or maybe those those founders would add a lot to your to your library of knowledge and information and then you can make better decisions later on and assess things differently and uh, don't get stuck up 
on your uh, on your existing learnings and models like this is this is what we've been saying to uh, to founders all the time we yeah, they they come in for us to uh, to us to help them and to uh, like teach them stuff and teach them about the models that you're talking about and the matter the fact of the matter is that we are the ones that are being taught how to how to think and how to learn about new technologies and new models and new things that from from their live experiences because these, these are the ones those are the guys that are on the ground front facing customers front facing clients and we are the one with the theories that luckily we are ready to just give up on and learn new things from from the from their feedback the reason why i really like what you just shared is because at the end of the day, we spend as investors all of our time trying to fit everybody into this stream of how we see life and businesses so that we can invest. Yet the founders are on the other side trying to get out of this stream and create a business that is more open-minded, DeFi, whatever it might be, blockchain, which isn't the way that most people have thought. And as an investor, you're not going to just say, I'm going to invest only in blockchain because I want to be at this forefront of tech, even if I don't understand it. I guess you can do that, but maybe it's easier to say, I'm going to invest in companies that work in manufacturing, have a potential of using strong innovation, which includes DeFi, blockchain, token-based, so that you can learn. But at the end of the day, the investor is learning just as much of this new crazy world of tech and innovation as the founder is trying to implement it. Yeah, if not more. So you kind of have to have this open-minded mindset because you could end up getting yourself into trouble if you're trying to stick to these old formats and not looking at ways to open up the way you think about a problem or a solution. And the last thing as an investor you want to be doing is being a cookie cutter. Uh, as I would say in the past, uh, an old cop show, which was you don't want to be the starters and Shipowitz because you're always the same character, same shirt, same tie, same badge, same time, great hour that kind of thing, because you have to really expand yourself, learn from your founders and keep opening up to bigger and better opportunities by diving deeper into these companies that are your funding and that are just trying to change the world. So I want to touch on this one point you said, which is unlearning. You got to define that again for the audience, because I love that. I know we've seen this in the past through different types of pages and speakers and online content where people are saying, I'm unlearning something. What does that mean? And what does that mean to you? Well, it means like you have you have to put the 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 factor of or the element of time into this equation. Like you you learn things, you you accumulate knowledge, and you amass that these these learning learnings on like libraries, as I said, and these things applied for a certain time. These things, especially in business, right? These are best practices, and those best practices are by default uh, obsolete by the time you're you're trying to learn them. And the, at the pace that we are we are learning right now and we are developing right now, even with the um, all the um, the enablement of information sharing, but you're still by the time you are going to learn something, it's already it's it's back there. It's it has already been done and analyzed to the point that it's written, whether in a book or an article or a webinar or anything, but it's there. It's been it's it's all news. So. The ability for you to learn to to get certain key takeaways from from these uh, from these uh, from this information is is a, is a certain talent. You just need to be very selective in what you take, and then when presented with new information, you can just take whatever you have learned as something that's for granted. Like this is something that was right at a certain point in time. And now there's new information that is presented. You just need to accept and not get stuck up on like the what, the fact that you have um, you have experience and you have uh, you have seen this before somewhere or anything that uh, this could this this is in itself and yani very arrogant or would be very arrogant of you just to think for just for you to have witnessed something or learned something that is it, it's the absolute truth i don't think you can you can make room in your mind to accept new ideas if you just hold up on new facts uh, sorry old facts that are that you think are just absolute facts or truth this is the ability to unlearn just to make room for certain things to reoccupy the way you think and just accept new ideas 
And uh, sometimes, um, yeah, when you need to, to to give you an example of something like that, how, how challenging it is, like sometimes at a, at a point in time, we we were hiring and uh, I actually, we were presented with, uh, with two uh, candidates and I chose the one with less experience because, and my words back then was, uh, no, I want, I want the one with the empty cup because I don't want to spend that much time and I have that much time to make them unlearn this thing. So that's how, that's how bad it is. Like people with certain uh, learnings or beliefs or fake knowledge or fake experience or obsolete experience, if you will. Uh, sometimes sometimes it's harder for them to just make room for uh, ideas and concepts and and yeah it's it, it's not it's not something it has to be something that is continuously happening it, it's not it's not the fact that you can do it once if you can do it once then you can you will you will survive a cycle just survive a cycle of just unlearning certain things learn new things and then you're going to freeze that back and you're going to continue with this new information that is going to be obsolete in a couple of days but it has to be a trained skill that that's always evolving. Like you always have to be to have the ability of learning and unlearning, and that just then keeping uh, the things that are that would be timeless, or maybe just the way, or the alter the way you think in a bit, or maybe just like an uh, like an AI models just would um, would 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 add something to the way you take in this information, but not not the information itself. Brilliant. I love it. So I'm going to reiterate on this side too, because I think one piece that you add in there is you're always stating that you have to make room. So there's a lot of focus that has to go into this, but I think from take it from the startup side, because I think this is very valuable to startups is to what you're saying is that as much as the investor is being open to new ideas on how you're building your company or the, or other elements of the product, the idea, the solution, there's also the same mundane things on how you build a business and how you do other things that are associated with the business. But it's the idea sharing process that the investor and the founders are going through. How do you, how would you approach a startup that you're working with? in trying to enable that startup founder, first-time founder, that's never really worked with an investor who's throwing out different ideas, different concepts to grow their business, to market, to operations, whatever that might be. How do you get them to feel more open about taking in all of these new or different ideas on how they can operate their business without having to do them all and buy, you know, by the book and following everything the investor says. Well, the investor told me to do this, so I better do this. It's not exactly working that way. You have to think for yourself and you have to come up with a solid plan that supports all of these elements. But how do you get the founder to be more engaged and more open to all of these ideas that they're going to get thrown at every minute, second of the day when they're building their company? How do you educate them on how to balance through this? Because it's a wild west out there. And everybody's got ideas and everybody's got ways to tell you how to do something. But how do you get your founder to stay focused, but to believe in the fact that there are options and they have to explore things? How do you get them to do this or at least understand it better so they don't feel overwhelmed and they can continue to build and move their company forward? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a very tough question to answer. <laughs> I think short answer would be just make it seem like it's their idea. Like make it seem like it's it's something that they come they came up with. So just try to to ask, to ask the right questions like the like the amazing question that you had just uh, popped at me but um, yeah just ask the right questions just, uh, let them come up with this conclusion just ask them about their their customer preference ask them about um, maybe someone that built a similar product or built to a similar client profile or customer profile uh, ask them what ask them to research how how those customers liked uh, such product or such uh, such service so let them come up with the conclusion let them come up with what you're trying maybe you don't know the answer too let them just figure out how to rethink this whole thing let them unlearn what they had uh, they had built for from the beginning so they they mostly they set out to or the, the founders that you want to invest in had set out to solve a certain problem so just let them figure out, give them the right questions to figure out the right uh, angles of this problem and get a clear understanding of their, their ideal customer preferences. 
and that would lead them to the way you don't have to uh, don't have to actually give them and i and i uh, i actually challenge anyone any investor that they know the answers that they know uh, that the right answers to these questions that it's it's a discovery uh, uh, practice like this is something that we are all we are all learning this and many of the things and i'm sure you have seen this before many of the things that you would advise certain startups to do or certain founders to do you would see someone else doing the exact opposite of what you of what you had said or what you had advised and you see them breaking it big right so and then you you'd say no it's it's a, it's a different situation it's a different case it's uh it won't apply in uh in canada or it won't apply in uh, somewhere else but uh, yeah the, you just have to admit that you're wrong <laughs> this is uh this is the fact of life i think we both must agree then that Founders may have a stickiness to wanting to be the expert in their space and sometimes become uh, very tough-lipped on allowing somebody else to amplify or push their business forward without them coming up with the idea or coming up with that strategy. So I do agree there has to be a way to coach them into that direction or to find the answers or to find the solution to the problem themselves so that they feel they're supporting it because that is ultimately the best way for them to own it and not feel like they're being driven by somebody else, but they're driving it. So I think that's beautiful, well said. And then the other side was the discovery, which is it takes time to come up with these solutions to your point, and it's not going to happen right away. It's not something that you can just uh, wave a magic wand and all of a sudden you have a solution for. So I think that coaching part, again, goes back to the investor coaching and being able to guide them in that direction because every founder, even every investor comes up with roadblocks, comes up with issues where they're unable to unlearn a process or unlearn something that's in their mind, a way a word is described or a way a business functions or way a problem that they're being faced with. And I think that that's where that discovery standpoint is. And it's not telling you something. I think most people I'll say at a high percentage, 99% of people don't like being told, but a hundred percent of people like being guided. And if you can guide them in the right direction by opening up all of these doors, then maybe that opportunity becomes a lot easier for them to discover. And I think there's a lot of problems out there that would get better innovation if they didn't feel that they were being um, directed into one way and that they could open up and solve it the way they feel is best by diving into the problem. Is, is that a fair uh, statement? Very much so, yeah. Really, uh, yeah, really uh, made it a lot more clear than what I've said. Yeah, hitting the right spots. Well, we learn from each other. That's the best part of this. <laughs> so as these founders are doing this, this is exciting because I think they start to really trust then that one, they're smarter and they are equipped with the right tools, but they mm -hmm. also have the right guidance from the investors. So do you think this is a great way to create a tie-in with your investor and startup relations so that there becomes more trust and more dependability on each other moving forward in that relationship as you invest. And as you mentioned, you keep investing over time. I'm sorry, I didn't quite get your question. As you're both working together because you're working on this discovery, you as an investor are kind of opening the doors up to get them to understand that there's different ways to solve problems, different options, different uh, scenarios that this actually, once the founder comes up with an answer, it kind of builds a trust between the investor and the startup. So now the two of you are becoming um, more compatible in that relationship, which mm -hmm. is being able to be leaned on. Because I think there's also then this context of things that we talked about around uh, focus and helping them understand it's their idea. There's also this uh, roadblock is that I'm the investor, I'm the startup. There are two different levels of operations, and I think there's a disconnect there, and somehow you got to bond and create a relationship. When you come in at a Series A and you invest in a company, it's very hard to make this connection, and just all of a sudden, your best friends are hanging out, solving problems, and working on a company, you're very separated. So there's got to be a way that connects and bonds those two groups together. So some of this leading, driving can obviously help but allowing them to come up with the solutions and the answers in this discovery phase and being able to create that value must start to create a good bond. So I'm assuming based on the conversation, is this something that you see as a way to help your founders tie better into what you're doing so that you can become part of that strength bench that's moving them forward in the right direction? 
Yeah, well, we we are lucky to have this uh, this relationship with, um, could say all uh, all our founders, and I think that has to do with the fact that we actually don't invest that late late into into their uh, life cycle. So all the investments that we had made was pre-seed up to pre-seed, and that's when the founders are actually much more susceptible to feedback to receiving more like guidance and advice from from you and this is where Falak is actually positioned also not as um, uh, not as as uh, as an investor just as an investor but rather more than a handholder into this ecosystem and just trying to um, avail certain resources for them and give them the right support and actually trying to not not just me but the whole team acts like part of the the founder's own team and that's that's something that you would uh, you would actually hear from from most of our founders that we are they they consider us part of their their team as well. So whenever they want someone to work with them on something that has to do with the go to market business development, even even investment, uh, whether investment readiness or or access to certain investors, we we have their back all the time. And to your point, yes, you need to create this trust, and you need to create this trust by working with them, trying it their way, and trying to think uh, with them. Just give give what they're saying a shot, and you need to also have this belief that those guys know what they're doing. Otherwise, just maybe you shouldn't invest with them from the from the beginning. So just um, believe in them. And this this would be reciprocated when you give them this trust and and belief. They will also uh, buy into the fact that you ha- they have your your buy in into into their ideas. And you would be coming from 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 a place where you want to see this thing grow. So they they trust your intentions and their instincts. There's nothing. There's there's only vested interest into the into their venture. It's not it's nothing that would ever be a a win lose situation. So that's um, that's the whole thing. Yeah, I think um, yeah, I think that's the point. You just uh, you just create this uh, this sort of bond, as you said, and. Um, Everything happens naturally. They're they're on. As you're working with these teams, they kind of treat you like you're part of the team, which is huge. And then you guys are able to build that bond through ideation and build out and discovery. And I think it all comes down to everybody's unlearning what they've had in their back pocket. And now they're kind of moving forward. Everybody's on the same path. You believe in them. They start to feed back the problems and solutions they're trying to solve. You guys work collectively as a team to solve them and move forward. I think that's a great dynamic for any successful startup to have. So it's awesome what you guys are doing. I love it. We're now going to kind of transition into um, a more broader question, which is that you guys have invested with and invested, I think, over 70 plus companies to date, which is huge. It's awesome. So taking that amazing feat and all of the things that you've been part of in this community over the years, uh, love if you could share just briefly a case study of a founder where she or he really just really define what it takes to be an entrepreneur. We're always looking for that great heartfelt story that just blows your mind of what it takes to be an entrepreneur. And and perhaps you can share a story with us that um, kind of uh, really encapsulates what that energy is that an entrepreneur brings to the table. Right. My, my, go, my go-to case for these kind of situations would be, uh, would be Andrew. And uh, Andrew Saad. Andrew Saad is the founder of a company called uh, Bypass. Uh, it, it's a bit it's a bit confusing because the, their their company is called Bypass. Their product is called Health Pack, and uh, Andrew is trying to uh, democratize and um, uh, elevate the, the the whole quality of the the healthcare services that the the common Egyptian would would receive. Because um, I don't know, I've got to give you a, a bit of context. Like we don't have uh, like medical insurance penetration is. Uh, is in the single digit uh, on a population level, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not sure if you're familiar with the whole uh, the whole medical ecosystem in, in Egypt, but that's yeah, that's it's, it's pretty uh, it's a pretty tough uh, tough environment. So what Andrew set up to uh, set out to uh, to achieve is to give access to everyone through uh, giving access giving them access back to their information, their health information through this health bag. A very a very simple solution to to have all this all the their medical records uh, available on this uh, this card and while while having uh, their um, 
their health tags with all their information, they get access to uh, discounted uh, healthcare services throughout the, the country. And uh, to do that, they also have a face of their product that is uh, tailored to, uh, to the medical or health uh, service providers as well. And uh, Andrew, uh, Andrew is from, comes from uh, a suburban uh, city or uh, somewhere that is not, the, it is not Cairo or Alexandria or the big cities, it's called uh, Monofeo. And uh, with very, with little to no money, Andrew had, uh, had managed to, to survive for a couple of years and then attract regional uh, investors to, to come into their, in his company. And just after a couple of years, I, as I said, for, with, with little to no, to no money at all, uh, to rise like a phoenix and uh, just become one of, the, one of the big players in the electronic health records uh, business in Egypt, someone that most... Uh, big brands now rely on for uh, for their medical records and uh, i think uh, yeah he he just inspires me and with with andrew the the, the thing that i was telling about really uh, really happened the way the way you put this trust in someone and put this belief in someone and just work with them hear them out listen to what they have to say even if you if even if you don't agree but just trust that they know this business more than you do you're just you, ha you have to have this acceptance you're just an investor maybe you have certain domain you don't you wouldn't understand everything that's happening within their business they're the one the ones that build in it so um yeah what happened with andrew is amazing you just give them this trust it reciprocates you build more you trust each other more and just you keep feeling into this upward uh, loop i love it so Moral of the story is not only as a founder, you got to believe in yourself, put some hard work. It doesn't matter which city, town, or small place that you're from. Just keep driving forward, and eventually you'll find the right people that get behind you, that, that enjoy what you're doing and how you're building it, and give them the trust, give them the ears, and a lot of great things can come out of this. But perseverance sounds like it's key to all of this success that Andrew and, and you guys have had with Andrew. I love it. Perseverance is a big word, and it's a it's certainly a strong, a strong need in all founders. Well, yeah. thank you for sharing that. We're going to dive now into our rapid fire questions. You ready? Uh, yep. <laughs> all right, you're coming in as the investor. We'll start with the investor side first. Pick one or the other. Here we go. From an investor, would you rather invest in a founder or a co-founder? What do you mean? <laughs> Would you invest in a founder or a co-founder? What's your preference? You want two? Let's you want founders or co-founders? Co-founders. Okay. Unicorn or four-year 10x exit? Four-year 10x. Tech or CPG? That's that's tough. <laughs> All right. Tech. So be, tech. I love it. All right. NFTs <laughs> or Web 3.0? Web 3. AI or blockchain? AI. First time founder or second, third time founder? First time founder. First money in or series A? First money in. Angel or VC? VC. Board seat or observer? Observer. Safe or convertible note? Safe. Lead or follow? Well, yeah, I, I don't lead for the in this fund, but yeah, I would love to lead. Okay. Equity or interest payments? Equity. Favorite part of investing? Learning. Number of companies invested per year? Ideally? or what? Well, yeah, I guess in general, if you invest in five companies per year, but you're shooting for 10 next year, like that kind of thing. Yeah, ideally 10. Okay. Preferred terms? Any preferred terms outside of what we just shared? No, nothing. Okay. Verticals of focus? Agriculture. Okay. Two qualities a startup needs in order to stand out to you. All right. Team, for sure. Solid team. Okay. I don't know if that, uh, if that qualifies as a, as a quality, but uh, timing. Of course. Because uh, you can invest in great things, but if they're uh, 10 years ahead of their time, then they're not going to have a very good success story if they can't uh, find enough capital to run 10 years. Yeah, learn that the hard way. Exactly. <laughs> Perfect. All right. We're going to move to the uh, personal questions. Amazing. All right. Book or movie? Sorry? Book or movie? Book or movie? Movie. 
Sp- Superman. Except that there's Batman. a book to the movie than the than the book. All right, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> Superman or Batman? Um, Batman. Restaurant or picnic? Restaurant. Five minutes with Bezos or Oprah? Bezos. Mountain or beach? Beach. Bike or run? Bike. I hate running. <laughs> I'm actually going to go for a run after this. So but they both, I like bikes too. I do both. I'm a big bike fan, big bike um, fan. Yeah. Big Mac or chicken McNuggets? No Big Mac. Trophy or money? Oh, uh, money. Beer or wine? Well, it depends. <laughs> All right. Um, beer. Okay. Camera or mobile phone? Phone. <laughs> it has a camera anyway. <laughs> there you go. Uh <laughs> King or rich? King. Concert or amusement park? Concert. Fortune cookie or birthday cake? Fortune cookie. TED talk or book reading? TED talk. TikTok or Instagram? TikTok. Facebook or LinkedIn? LinkedIn. Most famous person that pops in your mind? Musk. Favorite sports team? Um, yeah. Uh, any sport, right? Any sport. Barcelona. Ooh, nice. <laughs> I was not. I was there not too long ago. Uh, favorite <laughs> brand that pops in your mind? Favorite brand, Apple. I'm gonna say that right now, about seventy percent, no, sixty percent of all people pick Apple. Uh, favorite <laughs> I think that book has to do with the fact that I'm sitting in front of one. So. <laughs> Uh, it could be it could be yeah <laughs> they've done a great job on branding they're very good at branding i will say that um your favorite book favorite book 48 laws of power 48 laws of power done this is yeah. where i get all my insights on uh books <laughs> to read next all right favorite movie and what character would you play in the movie top gun maverick Nice. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I hear it's good. No, but that that since the first one. Oh, okay. This, I heard uh, the second one was really good. The second one is phenomenal. Ooh, I'm gonna have to watch it. Um, all right. Favorite app you're using on your phone? Favorite app? Uh, Notion. Notion. I'm gonna look that one up. That it will change your life. Is it a, me- a meditation app? No, it's not. It's uh, it's actually a productivity app or a collaboration uh, for for work. You okay. can use it also for like for personal stuff if you want to like achieve certain things. Just uh, list it down and um, yeah, they have a bunch of cool tools and cool setups you can you can work with. Okay, cool. I'll look into that one. All right, we're almost there. What mm-hmm. is the meaning of success to you? Oh, I'm enjoying this. Do you have more? <laughs> <laughs> What is the meaning of success to you? Um, well, for me, I think to have to have built a certain um, a certain way that the that you can put your name on, like something that someone for someone to to say how would uh, how do you do things and start to think like you, and that would be perceived as the right thing to do. So taking the taking the way that you've done things and that people can mimic that is obviously a form of uh, flattery or a form of um, being able to accomplish something. So based on what you build, hopefully other people will see that they like it and they're going to want to replicate it because it's working and you're doing a great job. I love it. (laughs) No, that's perfect. All right. Last question. What is your superpower? My superpower. I, um, I don't give up even if I do. Never give up. I love it. Never give up. That's good. Even when you think you do, you're, you've got one more kick. Yeah. Or maybe you just try something else, but you just give up. Well, I love that quote because I think that that does obviously represents a lot of how you work with founders, how you've built, where you've come from, and all the great things that you've done. You're obviously great with people as well. And uh, I'm going to say, Hassam, it's been a pleasure to get to learn more about yourself and to dive into all the great things that you've done and where you've going and where you're going to get to. Uh, It was awesome. I appreciate everything you shared, lots of notes. And the way we like to kind of end our show is we like to give you the last word. So anything that you want to share to the investor community or to the startups, 
Uh, I turn it over to you, but again, thank you very much for all your time today. Super appreciated. Jeff, I've uh, enjoyed every bit of it. I'll have to give you that. Like this, this has been the best sort of this sort of experience that I've ever had. So yeah, really. Um, what I would like to say to everyone is to, uh, again, do not, do not give up. Even, even if it seems like every door is shut in your face, this is not the end. Uh, I know this, these are tough times and, uh, everyone is telling you and every memo is telling you not to, uh, not to be very optimistic about things and just be uh, very careful. But what I want to tell you and leave you with that is that every other success story that is out there, um, just defied all kinds of sense and uh, defied all kinds of um, of yeah sensible uh, situations like then any nothing nothing just happened because it makes sense or no, nothing happened or nothing succeeded because it was set out in, in the right um, conditions or the right uh, or the right factors around it like everything happened in complete defiance of all things possible so just keep pushing and um, keep uh, keep at it guys do not give up hasm awesome i totally agree with you that's brilliant well said and thank you again for all your time today thank you, thank you Jeff. all right good night okay hasm was awesome that was great just diving in and unpacking all of that and a couple of uh, points that i'll bring up which were um really focused on this unlearning part, you know, unlearning the way we all think, the way we build things, the way we think everything works. And he brought up a good point. You know, when you're a startup, you got to kind of unlearn the way you think a market works or the way a product works. You're going to be educating, but you're also going to be learning new things from your investors and the communities around you. And the same thing for investors, they have to really unlearn what they think is the best way to market or how something works. So uh, that was great. Uh, and then his last point, which really kind of summed everything up too, is never give up, you know, that fifth gear uh, that founders have got to have in order to drive this business. When he thought he's given up, he, he had another gear the next day or the next moment, or maybe took a week off, whatever it is, but always make sure you understand your space and take the time to really dive into it. And, uh, you know, when the pressure gets really tough and you got to take a moment, just know what value you bring to the game. And uh, when you've got a lot of that, uh, you know, there's there's ways to give up too, but there's also ways to persevere and, and go around and, and really crush it. So uh, I think the takeaway today is unlearn, persevere, crush it, and um, make room, focus. Thank you for the insights. Really, uh, really a, a great, uh, great chat. So thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this conversation, please feel if Feel free to share with your friends or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and or Stitcher. Your supports or comments are truly appreciated. You can also check us out at supportersfund.com or for startup events, visit openpeoplenetwork.com. Thank you and have a fantastic day.